Welcome to Talking Events. Um, today's episode is being recorded down in Bristol um, at the offices of Richmond Event Management. Um, delighted that we welcome uh, to the studio Mike Richmond. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, and alongside Mike, uh, Ben Hardy. Ben, welcome to Talking Events. Good afternoon. Um, it's going to be a quick one today because Ben is disappearing off to a, uh, a committee meeting for this or for next year's. It's uh, it's our annual debrief with our client uh, for the International Bloom Fiesta here in Bristol. So. Um, summing up all the various uh, debrief meetings we've had with police and local authorities and uh, um, starting to think about the key things we need to do for next year. Perfect. Well, we'll not keep you. This is, this is pressing stuff and important stuff. Um, let's look at a couple of, a couple of questions for, for this episode. Um, well, maybe just a subject, the health of the industry. Mike, you've been in the industry a long time now. Um, and I understand um, from listening to a session that you delivered a few weeks ago um, at a conference that you actually started in, in local authority. So yeah. you've had experience right across the board. What's the health of the industry like now from an event management point of view? I think it's healthier uh, than when I started in local authority, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I think that it's, uh, it's a bit like the state of the nation. It's really quite healthy. There's, there's a, a huge amount of events taking place compared to what there used to be. Uh, the production industry, the services industry, you know, they're all working together, raising their game. Um, and, you know, you go to um, the th- sort of three or four big shows that, that, that sell the industry uh, over the year. And uh, whilst you might see a lot of the same faces, the general feeling is that um, it's strong. Uh, it went through a few dips. It's gone through a few dips over that 20 years. <laughs> Um, but I think it's now punching at its weight again and you know it helps with major national events and certainly big regional events uh, and underneath that there's all a load of community events so yeah I'd say it's as, probably as strong as it's been uh, in my 20 years of running REM. Um, ben, anything, uh, uh, your thoughts on the industry as it stands at the moment from, from the perspective that you, uh, you have? Well I, I, um, I actually started my career on a work placement with Mike back in 2000 and uh, it took me, I went off and worked in the charity sector for about 10 years and it took me that long to persuade him to have me back <laughs> properly in, in employment. Whether he's regretting it now, I don't, I don't know. But A second interview <laughs> was 10 years later. <laughs> um, but certainly in my time since uh, joining REM in 2010, um, I mean we used to finish the Bloom Fiesta in August and, and draw some breath and prepare for the Christmas, um, cr- Christmas months. But um, we've not stopped uh, since and I think that's, that's been building year and year year on year in, in recent years so I'd say it's very strong. Um, the next subject or what we want to move on to today um, is the procurement process. Um, Mike I think this is a subject that uh, you, you may have various opinions of um, and working across uh, the, a range of different events and with experience working in, in different scenarios and, and, uh, and in different countries as well. Tell us about your thoughts on the procurement process at the moment and, and what people are doing wrong, what they're doing right, what we could do better. Okay, um, well, we obviously, as a company, we, uh, we must have done thousands of tenders over the 20 years uh, for, for us to provide services. Uh, so there's two sides to it. It's people providing services to us and us presi- pr- uh, providing services to clients. And it's a fairly varied game at the moment um, in terms of what, what, what comes through the door from whatever, pro, whatever um, portal, whichever supplier uh, wants to use a portal and whichever um, procurement company are, are sending it. The difficulty is with events is that it's hard to say what you want in procurement unless you want 360,000 toilet rolls. As an event organisation, 
you want the toilet rolls, but you want the toilets, you want this, you want that, you want some creative programming or whatever. And sometimes you get the feeling that tender documents are, are written um, so open-mindedly that you, you don't really know whether you stand the chance or not. Um, quite often the specifications are, are not written by the officers that want to write the specifications. They're written by the... the uh, the procurement company so I find it frustrating in many respects I find some there's some brilliant ones out there that, that do nail it and then there's ones that don't actually exist um, which is um, you know where, where an authority has got delegation not to go out to tender um, so you know it is a varied thing it can be very frustrating and it's a lot of work um, unpaid work you don't get any money if you're not successful um, and sometimes, probably the most galling part of that, and I think Ben would agree with me, is you don't even get a response mm. to your tender. Um, and you know, we've been through some fairly monumental tenders over the years where we've spent hours and hours and hours uh, putting something together and not to get a response. And, I mean, that's and of course, time is money, isn't it? So yeah. ultimately, that's, that's, that's cost you money to do that. And you know, if you speak to my peers, and I speak to quite a lot of them, and some of them don't even bother tendering anymore because it's too arduous a process. Um, we do because it's our core business uh, I suppose it's it, it's a bit like when people said can you start writing risk assessments everyone oh god I've got to write a risk assessment <laughs> uh, now they all have to um, uh, it's the same with tenders you know that some people just won't do them and rely on other organisations to get them get them work once they've won it so it's, it's, a, it's an industry in its own right now procurement and sometimes I feel just at some times that it's, a, it's where good ideas come to die procurement if you could change it for the better, how would you change it? Or what would you like to change? Or can it be changed? I don't think it can. I think uh, local government act and, and various other legislations mean you go out to tender for certain contracts. I don't think it can change. I think um, I think specifications are one or two things. They're either open-minded uh, with, with very little detail or they're very detailed because they're just taking the detail off the guy that was doing it before. So you, you, there's very little in between, uh, to be honest. I, I don't think it can change. I think... Uh, I think Perhaps the only thing that could change is that the officers that are organising the events uh, that are after these services write the tenders uh, and do the interviewing and, mm. and so on and so forth. And I think that would help. I don't know if I speak for the rest of... Sounds like I'm having a grumble, but uh, you know the hours... That's that, what we're the, here for. The hours <laughs> that we spend doing them um, doesn't necessarily translate... Um, into the the value of the contract once you've put it in. Well, well let's, let's let's find out if it's a, a shared opinion. Um, if you listen to the podcast and you're currently on the Event Industry News website, there is a comment uh, box below uh, the video that you're looking at or below the, the audio file that you're listening to. Um, log in and, and leave your comments. We'd love to hear from people about their various experiences of the procurement process. Um, so get some comments on there. Without flipping this now into an interview, Ben, <laughs> and, and, you know, and turning it into to Piers Morgan's life stories, um, the ten-year hiatus, if we could call it that, from from your initial contact with REM mm-hmm. and coming back in. What is your background in terms of event management prior to that? Did you study event management? Did you have any? Was there a desire to come into it uh, as an industry? How did you find yourself doing what you do now? Yeah, I, I actually um, I left sixth form with an interest in theatre and music for some reason, but um, played an instrument very badly and couldn't really act. So. Um, ended up in, in what I thought was the next best thing. Um, and actually, in those days, there were there were very few event management degrees. I think Bournemouth, uh, Derby did something, Bath did something quite peculiar. Um, and I ended up in De Montfort studying arts management for three years. Um, did a great placement of a Haymarket Theatre. Finished my final year doing a six, 12 weeks uh, stint here at REM. Um, I'm from Bristol originally, so um, 
and uh, and then actually got a oddly enough got a job at the Bloom Fiesta here in Bristol for a summer just as a student and then for for probably a year or so freelanced a little bit got in for some reason ended up working on a lot of horse shows I don't know <laughs> I don't know why but um, and then actually realised that I needed to pay off for the student loan so um, got a job for, for a job for for a, yeah. for, for a, a charity and spent ten years in in charity on fundraising events um, predominantly and then um, obviously came back uh, back here the, the reason the reason I ask um, is that in a previous episode of the podcast um, we spoke to uh, a guest from the University of Westminster uh, and their event management faculty and also um, a lady from a recruitment agency that deals with with placing and, and sourcing jobs within the event industry um, and it's fair to say on that particular episode there, there were some mixed views as to what credibility a degree or some sort of formal qualification in event management can actually give and whether or not that's actually going to open up more possibilities to people coming out of education. There are also I think something, uh, I looked at the stat the other week, there's a a vast number of universities now doing Mm. multiple types of event management degrees. So potentially we're going to be flooded with graduates coming out. As I understand it there's seven and a half thousand people on degree courses studying event management in one form or another in the creative industries. Um, and I think they've stat said there's 800 jobs, um, <clears throat> if you look at it. Um, from our company perspective, most of the full, full-timers we've kept have come as placement students, but not necessarily on event management uh, degree okay. courses. So if you walk into our office, uh, you'll see four people there that came as placement students on a university placement that were kept on full-time. And in fact, Ben was a placement student. He's now the senior ops director of the company. Um, not be studying arts management, so kind of related. Mm. Um, I think my view is that I don't, whilst I don't want to argue with event management degrees, when I've been to faculties and, and discussed them, and I think it, it's, a, it's a grounding, but I always say to people, get your hands dirty, get in there, get your placement, build some stages, or, or you know, move some fencing, or work the long hours that it takes and see if you like it. Yeah. Because uh, it, it, it's a demanding industry. Uh, yeah, we certainly wouldn't ever go out. We've spoken about it a bit, and, and, and there's been quite a lot of, uh, of articles that, that have been on event industry news as well over, uh, over the years about um, the subject of event management and, and people studying it. And, and I think collectively, it's obviously a good thing for people to get an education, but sure. um, I think that there is this feeling among the industry that it is important to get the hands dirty, ultimately, and, yeah. and, and to build some actual experience in that. Um, I, I don't have a degree in event management. I'm I'm a I'm a PE teacher by by my degree, but you know I, I'm not playing tennis at the moment or so, teaching anything. So you're the quickest man across any event site. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what um, what but what while well, before we move on to sort of a next little snippet, um, what attributes would you be looking for in somebody coming to you um, to get into the uh, into the industry? Uh, primarily, will you fit the culture of the organisation? Are you prepared to work hard? Are you prepared to learn quickly? And when um, it's all hands to the pump, are you there helping or are you running away? Um, uh, and I think, um, I think that's the vital, they're the vital statistics for me. Um, and you know, I've seen a lot of people that have come and gone, um, not necessarily our organisation, but you know, do a summer's work on events, you don't see them again, because it's such hard work. Um, and there's a hell of a lot, it's, hell of a lot, it's very easy for people to say, I want to get, I want to get into events. Um, 
I don't think any of us really started off wanting to get into events, but um, when we got there, we realised it's such a, a rewarding industry that you have to put the work in to be retained. Um, and most of our work is, is retention work. We don't do a great deal of you know, promotion. It's, it's, it's recommendation and retention. Fitting into the culture of the organisation is critical. Um, and because uh, there are times where you're a little army Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you're a, um, a battalion, you need all your soldiers pulling in the right, right direction. If, the one, if there's one weak link, it won't last, I'm afraid. So yeah, that's, that's very much how I view it. Um, Degree-wise, some of them are great, and there are some fantastic degree courses. Um, and then there's others that perhaps might be teaching the wrong kind of syllabus. But yeah, Well, well maybe, maybe that's something to continue with you on, a, on, a, on another day. Ben, I'm conscious that you've got to get off to the, your, uh, your debrief. If I can ask you very quickly, sure. what, what's on the subject of, uh, what, what's on the agenda for the debrief tonight? What sort of things are you going to be agenda? looking at? Well, we, uh, I mean, it's quite a standard agenda, but obviously f- finances uh, will be a predominant one for the directors. <laughs> Top of the uh, list. Did they, uh, did they break even, uh, make any money, make a loss, obviously? Um, uh, we've got some good news for them on, on, on that one. Um, which, which is a relief. Um, we also, we had a very busy fiesta this year. Um, we've seen an increase, I think, uh, of those people staying in the UK, particularly during the summer holidays, enjoying a free event like the Bloom Fiesta. So um, we've got to uh, do a little bit of work around crowd management going forward next year. So there's a bit of a discussion there. Um, and then some simple ho- uh, sort of housekeeping, if you like, election of a new chair and all that sort of stuff. Brilliant. Well, again, I'm conscious of time. Um, I'm conscious that you've come in here um, almost, uh, well, uh, underprepared. Somebody just grabbed you by the collar and said, come in and sit in in today's podcast. So so we thank you for that. um, And we'll wrap up today. Uh, Mike Richmond, thanks very much for joining us again. Ben Hardy, good luck with the the debrief and good luck for next year's event. Thanks a lot. And uh, once again, you've been listening to Talking Events. Don't forget you can uh, download the podcast from iTunes. Just search for Talking Events. You can listen to it via the event industry news website you can also watch a video recording of today's episode via the event industry news youtube channel thanks again and uh, this is talking events